Hello, hello, and hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back for another episode. If not now, when? Today, I am really excited to have a big investment fan, Johnny Starley, in the house. <laughs> and Johnny <laughs> is so incredible. He has dabbled and successfully in real estate, Wall Street, various small business startup, even cryptocurrency. And today, as a small business mentor, he is passionate about helping people to succeed in by investing wisely and creating a long-term wealth. With that, thank you so much, Johnny, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm really excited. Yes. So, Johnny,、uh, take us back. How does all the journey get started? Um. Oh man. Okay. So, well, my um, I'm originally from Boise, Idaho, which is a uh, uh, the uh, capital uh, uh, city of uh, um, Idaho, and um, it's a it's a growing up there was um very. Uh, interesting. I think I live in California now, so I think a lot of people think that, you know, I, I grew up with like a lot of racism or whatever. But oddly enough, I've experienced more racism in Los Angeles.、Um, yeah, because、um, you know, in Idaho, growing up, people didn't know how to, and and I and you know, a lot of people say racism is kind of taught.、Um, a lot of people didn't know how to be racist. I know that sounds weird, but. You know they don't know what racial slur to call me because they never learned that from anything. So they just treated me、uh, normally, if not more special, because I was just different. Every day I woke up, I was different.、Um, mm-hmm. Everyone else wakes up is more or less the same in in terms of just what the what the demographics look like. So、mm-hmm. I actually absolutely loved it.、Um, Uh, Boise, Idaho, is a very beautiful, beautiful place. One of the most beautiful places in the U.S. and and in the world. And、um, yeah, so my my my、uh, parents raised my sister and I there. And、uh, we've we've sat down and asked my dad many times, how did we end up in Idaho, or why are we from Idaho? You know, being Korean American, <laughs> you know, because when you think Korean American, you think you know Seattle, Chicago, Atlanta, New York,、uh, you know,、uh, Los Angeles,、uh, SF,、um, but.、Uh, And when we asked him that, the last time we asked him that was like maybe ten years ago. We asked, we sat down, we're like, "So tell us again, why are why how why are we born here?" And、uh, you know, he started telling this long story, and we never found an answer, and so we just never really questioned it. That's just where I'm from. <laughs> My high school of twenty three hundred people had about five Asians.、Mm, um, wow, pretty special. Yeah, and I knew all of them, of course. And、um, <laughs> you know, and one of them was my sister. <laughs> so、um, yeah, it was very interesting、uh, growing up there. But I think without being born there, I would not have the sort of the perspectives on life that I have now. I'm not saying my perspective on life is better or worse than anyone else. I just feel like growing up there has shaped a lot of the way I, the way I think, the way I perceive the world, the way I perceive Los Angeles, the way I perceive Idaho. Um, and people in, in general. Explain in what way?、Um, uh, you know, it just makes you appreciate things more. I think、um, the best, the easiest example for most people is when they move to college. If 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 you're somebody who moved away from home from college, 
you appreciate home more. You appreciate, mm-hmm. um, you know, that favorite uh, restaurant that you love that you used to go with your friends in high school. You appreciate those things more because the city you're in, um, it's just different. It's not, it's not worse. It's just mm-hmm. different. And so I think um, for a lot of time, I called Idaho, uh, Idaho. And, um, <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, you can, it's four seasons. So it has a lot to do with the city as well. But, you know, it's just like those typical commercials you see during the holidays where people are going home you know, to somewhere in the, in the rural areas or, or at least not in like the big city areas necessarily. Um, where I live in Los Angeles, it's kind of a ghost town during the holidays because nobody really like, uh, lives here in, in that way per se. They all kind of go home to wherever they're, they're from, their parents from a lot of Los Angeles, uh, citizens are, um, you know, transplants or whatever. A lot of them are, and so they all kind of mm-hmm. go home and, you know, spend holidays with their family. This year will obviously look a little different, but, um, but yeah, so I, and I just, you know, it's during the winter time. So you have this, um, people who experience winter time during the holidays in terms of like snow and things like that, they understand that feeling that you have, you've had it from since when you're a kid seeing snow, you know, all that it changes over the years, but it's still this feeling. And, um, you know, when you live in Los Angeles, you don't have that feeling exactly like that. Um, you, don't, so you don't get that feeling. I, so, yeah, no, I love that. Thank you for kind of painting the picture of the both city, and I have not been either. So, <laughs> thank you for helping me understand that. Uh, I'm curious. You said you grew up there, and what's next? What did you, did you go to college? And did you leave the state? You know, I didn't How know you what I was going to yeah. do after high school. Um, I was one of those people and, and people who listen to this are going to hate me, but I was one of those people that really loved high school. Um, I, I got class clown when I was uh, like, it was in the yearbook. I was class clown. And I, I, at the time I was like one of the more popular kids or whatever you want to call it. I played sports, you know, I go to all the uh, rallies or uh, pep rallies and things like that. I enjoyed that stuff. And, you know, I wasn't sure if I wanted to stay in the state because I felt like high school was a lot of fun. So I didn't really want college to ruin that by having the exact same people <laughs> that I saw in high school be at the same college. Because a lot of people where I'm from, and this is typical of many cities like that, um, people go to the local state school. You know, that's just kind of mm-hmm. like what they what they do a lot of times uh, or, you know, one of the in-state schools in general. Um, I decided to come out to California. My sister, uh, she was in San Diego at the time. And so I decided, you know, I'll just apply to a bunch of schools. Um, mm-hmm. There was a school called uh, UC Santa Barbara. And I looked at their website and I saw that one of their like libraries or something kind of overlooked the the coast. Like you could see the ocean wow. in it. And I was like, oh, I'll, that looks cool. So I just applied to a bunch of schools just randomly um, uh, just just because. And I ended up um, in Orange County, of all places. And um, parts of Orange County look like where I'm from. It's, it's just like a, you know, a regular city. Um, you know, it's not the sort of noise and craziness of Los Angeles. Um, it looks, yeah, it looks like a lot where I'm from. And so I, I moved out to Orange County and, and started going to college. But I never really had um, any college aspirations. I never really had any, um, career aspirations or anything like that. I studied 
um, business um, in college. And, you know, I remember different classmates in different classes were very eager to graduate so that they can, you know, become a realtor in, in Huntington mm -hmm. beach or, you know, whatever, and become a high power, you know, make a lot of money. I just never really, I was like, Oh, that's cool. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I thought, Hey, that's cool. But I never really cared that much. It wasn't really a big deal to me. Um, I, I got a little bit more serious about my faith during college and that kind of led me more towards um, the issues of the world rather than how to make my world the best. You know, I started thinking more about how can we improve the lives of people who are not going to college, who are not fortunate to have an apartment, mm -hmm. who are, who can't, who have to think about what they're going to eat their next meal. So that's kind of where it got more um, lively for me about, about those types of things was really during college. So. Beautiful. I love that. Um, so what happened after college? Did you um, start the business um, career? Like men yeah, I started or? working for a fortune 500 company. Um, uh, and um, yeah, I just, I felt like, the most effective way I could help people was to improve myself was to, um, and I, and I felt that I feel that more intensely now than ever, of course, but, um, uh, but yeah, I felt like after, after college, I didn't really have a specific goal. I just knew that I wanted to help people. Um, but turns out in order to help people, you need to, um, sort of improve yourself or be at a certain uh, stature. Um, you know, that's not to say your mom can't motivate you. Um, and your mom, most moms are not CEOs or high powered lawyers or high achieving people. They're, they are moms and um, high achieving in terms of business and entrepreneurism, but um, they can still give you advice. Uh, but also at the same time, in order to really have an impact on people. It's sometimes about what you have done with your time and money that really affects people. I noticed that the people that I really obsessed over the most in terms of role models, people you look up to are people who give, have given their money or time to things that are not about them. You know, so we see that a lot. We see this on steroids now with social media, you know, um, this guy bought a Lamborghini and everyone's like, wow, that's so cool. This guy's so cool. But for me, that was never really that interesting. It was more about, oh, this guy who is a millionaire in, say, real estate, he has given to the schools or he has you know, helped impact his neighborhood. Those things seemed more interesting to me because by nature, they are counterculture. You know? um, capitalism yeah. is all about so gaining and growing and gaining. And there's parts of that, obviously, that are just a reality of life. But it, it it's just about gaining and gaining and gaining. And so counterculture to that would really be how do I gain, but also give, 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 you know? So that's kind of that. like I what I so became more interested in. I felt like everyone was trying to be gain, 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 but the people I was attracted to are the people who are like gaining strategically in order to give. And I thought that was like, Whoa, how do I, how do I do that? That's beautiful. So tell us, how do you do that? So it sounds like in college, you start 
seeing this world in a different way. You wanted to help support others, and you realizing um, become a more successful yourself, or you know um, that will be a better way to help support others. Am I understanding correctly? And how do you? Do um, that? So I started to do. So in general, uh, I was exposed by friends to um, inner city uh, issues of Los Angeles. Uh, you know, I was living in Orange County at the time, and Orange County has uh, over 40,000, uh, you know, homeless people. And a lot of people don't ever think about that when it comes to Orange County. Um, but you know, Orange County has a lot of social issues going on as well. And, um, and huge disparities, you know, we have a, there's a city called Santa Ana and it's next to a city called Irvine. And those two cities could not be any more different. Um, times have changed a little bit, but the, in the, um, the, uh, income gap there is, is vast and they are right next to each other. Um, and they both face different issues, uh, you know, regarding that, but, um, I was exposed to different issues such as inner city issues with youth, with poverty, with access issues. Um, and then, um, issues abroad where, uh, there are, um, you know, more, uh, tech in technicality, there are more slaves living in the world now than there were ever through human trafficking, it's through oppression and a lot. And all of that stems from some kind of form of poverty and access. And, um, and so I was exposed to all those things. And a lot of those things um, sort of tugged on my heart, but you have to do what you can, you know, I'm not a social worker. Um, I don't think I would be a great social worker. Um, uh, You know, I, I don't think I can be become a full-time volunteer. I felt like my best bet was to do well in business um, and then use that influence to help influence and shape other people who are interested in business as well. Um, yeah. And so, you know, human trafficking became a big part of my life for, uh, at least a, at least a decade and, and it still is, but, um, but yeah, I, I spent a lot of time, uh, locally and overseas, um, there are colleges that I did not get accepted to, but they, but the professors at those colleges invited me to speak at their lecture halls about these issues. So, wow, that is incredible, Johnny. And I'm just curious. Um, I'm thinking. I just want to learn about what made you so passionate about it. Which you know, of, of course, was an important issue. So I'm picturing. You were from Idaho, and you moved to El, uh, moved to Orange County for college. And was it just a conversation with your friend, and you start getting exposed to those issue? And what made you so passionate about the social issue? And what what moment made you to start realizing you need to be successful in business in order to impact in a bigger way? And how do you actually well, go about um, that? For the first part, I had um, mentors. Uh, One was named Enrique and one was named Tim. And uh, they were just passionate about um, helping people. And um, I didn't really understand that at first. Um, I mean, it makes sense. Like, oh, you want to help people? That's great. I think most people want to help people. Um, But these people were actively doing it. And um, there was a time where I was contemplating moving and, you know, I was kind of mostly supporting myself at the time, um, you know, working a lot. I, I worked at Disneyland like 60 hours a week on some months. 
uh, or, you know, some weeks and I was supporting myself and, um, and I love doing it. It wasn't like a, you know, sad, you know, poor me kind of thing. I I, I love doing it. I love working hard. And, um, you know, I, I was contemplating what, what I should do in terms of moving and like looking at rent and my, my friend, you know, his name's Tim. He offered to actually try to help pay for my rent, you know, and there was no reason, um, it, it, it wasn't like he felt sorry for me. It wasn't like uh, it's offered, you know, and usually don't, I mean, that just doesn't really happen very often. And so it made me, it made <laughs> me start no. thinking a little bit different. Radical, like giving, you know, like you hear these stories all the time on social media, like, oh, this um, waitress, she got, uh, you know, a $500 tip, you know, and it, it moved her to tears because it's a lot of money um, uh, for a lot of people and um, it's tough times right now and uh, you know and they could you really use it for whatever purpose right and so and we hear those we hear those and everybody loves those stories but they're so rare you know it's it's happening a few times every day around you but it's not happening all the time it's not happening enough. And so the mm-hmm. fact that my friend Tim did that, I, I, it, it, I'm still talking about it. That was years and years ago, but I'm still talking about that story because, you know, and, and then uh, another gentleman that I knew, he, he was like, do you like those stories? Do you like that feeling? And I said, yeah, I love that. And he goes, great. The best way to get that is to go out and get those stories for yourself. And then you can share those stories with other Beautiful. people as well. Those are the things that inspire people the most are the stories of people Mm -hmm. doing things that are not normal. And so I was like, that's what I want to be. I want to be someone not normal. And so, you know, when, when people were asking me about real estate and kind of investing with me, they said, Oh, Johnny, you know about real estate. Can we invest with you? I said, yeah, but there's a requirement. The requirement is that we, out of the profits we make, we have to give a certain percentage to these different nonprofits. You know, it's not just about profit. It's about, making profit, but also realizing, Hey, we're all pretty fortunate. We are all pretty lucky. We are all, you know, it's not just hard work, but you know, things had to line up for our parents or, or ourselves to get to the place we are, you know? So it's important to Mm -hmm. do that. So finding ways for me to do that was really important. And one of the ways was just very basic. It was, um, just work, work hard, do the best you can find a good paying job or whatever it was, and then just give the money that at the very base of it, that's the most hardest practice for most people. You know, it's not about like just volunteering time, whatever. It's really, you know, um, of giving. I I remember this, uh, there's this uh, thing that says, um, uh, it's not about how much you give. It's about how much you give out of what you have. You know, somebody who gives 50% of their money is way big, is way a bigger news headline than someone who gives 10%, even if they're a millionaire, right? And so that those things are just so stark, these things. We, we've heard these things. And so to continue to build those, mm-hmm. but, but making your own stories is more impactful, right? So I remember um, there was a, uh, uh, a, um, uh, a safe house that was, being, that was being proposed to be built in the Philippines, you know, where there's a very big human trafficking and, and poverty and all kinds of issues in that sense. The Philippines is beautiful, obviously, but... Um, there are uh, these types of social issues there as well. And, and, and I, I was lucky enough to get exposure to it. And I looked at the, 
sort of the blueprints of how beautiful this safe house was going to be. Um, and I was offered the opportunity to, you know, somehow help fundraise and so forth. Well, I fundraised on my own. I went mm -hmm. to my friends and said, Hey, um, I know you have a good job. Let me challenge you with something totally different. I'm not asking you to, you know, can you sponsor a child for $5 a month or something, which is fantastic by the way, but I didn't give that challenge. I really said, Hey, give me an uncomfortable amount of money. And I'm going to use that money to help build this safe house in the Philippines. That that safe house in the Philippines has been there I now, now for maybe five years now. And uh, I, I fundraised wow. about a third or uh, the first building that was built. I, I fundraised about half or a third of that money just from asking people and challenging them, you know. Um, not, not some glorious fundraiser necessarily, but really just challenging people. Hey, give me something that's uncomfortable, you know, cause that, cause that amount. And, you know, a friend sent, gave me a check. I remember a friend giving me a check one day and, and, uh, you know, I thought, oh, he probably gave me a hundred dollars or something. He gave me thousands of dollars, you know? And I, and I said, you want to build impact? Wow. And then I ask him once in a while, you know, I ask him, Hey, so how, how does that feel now? And of course, Oh, well that, you know, they don't even, they don't even think about it. Hardly ever even remember it because, you know, it's just one time thing where you can really do something impactful. So they hardly, five years ago, they, they're like, oh yeah, we don't even think about that amount of money anymore. That's just, you know, that was no big deal now. Um, cause you know, you're, you're fine. You have a good job. Everything's fine. So, you know, you don't really think about it. Um, and, but on the flip side, there have been, I don't even know how many uh, women have women and children have gone through there that have rehabilitated, that have gotten education, that have gotten food, that have gotten protection and safety from that. You know, so. beautiful. Mm -hmm. That is so incredible, Johnny. And I love that you have such a big heart. I truly mean it. The fact that you know you kind of, uh, you know, train in the business world, but yet you truly, your intention is helping supporting humanity in a bigger way. I truly love that. And I'm curious, um, your intention is very loud and clear. Sounds like from the college until now, you're passionate about helping supporting those important social issues. Um, how do you come from that moment to become an investing guru? How do you kind of connect in the two dots? It sounds like you have a two paths well, in your life. Am, yeah, am so the reason why I started teaching investing was people kept asking me, um, uh, you know, for whatever they believe success is. A lot of people thought I was successful in certain ways. And so I just started teaching investing. I said, there's, there's these companies that have the smart, have, who have hired and can afford to hire the most smartest, innovative people and bring them together and build products and services. And that's going to be profitable. And, um, I, I'm not the smartest person. I'm not the savviest marketer. So it's better to invest into people who are, and those are the companies that we see on the stock market, you know, in large in part. And so why, why would I just leave money in a bank when I can invest in these incredibly intelligent uh, people that have come together for a serious Beautiful. purpose of giving their time and life to, to build something mm -hmm. incredible. And, but it really comes down to access. Um, the biggest social um, issue, the, a lot of the social issues um, uh, such as poverty and just these things, they all come down to access, access to healthy, affordable food. 
you know, here in Los Angeles, you don't find a grocery store in certain neighborhoods. The neighborhoods don't, uh, the uh, grocery companies don't think that those neighborhoods are going to be profitable for them. Um, so they won't open there. Whole Foods is not going to open somewhere in some random area in South LA, for instance. It's not going to be profitable for them. So, the, well, I don't, I think it would, but they don't, they don't want to do that. So you don't find the Whole Foods in neighborhoods like that. So there's, there's a stark access in, in, especially in the U.S. in general, um, to healthy food access in, in Canada, for instance, healthier food, like vegetables, salads, those things are cheaper there. Right. Um, because they're, 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 in my opinion, smarter with that in the, in here in the U S here in Los Angeles, buying a salad is really not affordable. And, um, so healthy access to health, uh, uh, affordable access to healthy food is really difficult for a lot of people. And so because of that, you have, you'll have generations of people from lower income neighborhoods who will have heavier impact on health, on their, on their family's health, because, mm. um, they're not eating healthy because no one taught them necessarily that you should eat these things. This is how you should eat these things. This is where you should get these things. Well, I don't see those things available in my neighborhood. You know, um, they go to a local, um, uh, convenience store where a banana is a dollar. They're not going to buy that. They're going to buy a soda that's 50 cents and a bag of chips that's 50 cents. And that's a meal for a lot of people, unfortunately. And that's just the truth. Um, and, and so there's that access, there's access to education. You know, a lot of the schools in these certain areas, they don't have the best, um, marks for education. I'm not saying they're not great teachers in those places. I'm saying they don't have, um, high rankings for education. If you go to a city like South Pasadena, for instance, you're going to have really nice schools, right? So access is different in those communities. So access is an issue. And, you know, there's access, um, access to affordable healthcare, access to all these things. And then of course, access to financial literacy, right? A lot of these, uh, neighborhoods, mm -hmm. Um, are slowly at a very slower uh, pace. If I go to, like, again, if I go to South Pasadena, the chances that most of the children in these neighborhoods will go to college is like 90 plus percent. Now, that's not an official statistic, but it's very high, likely high. Um, but um, especially mm -hmm. to good schools, mm -hmm. uh, good colleges and things like that. But if I go to a low-income neighborhood, what are the chances that these young people are going to go to college? Well, we already know the statistics are against them. And so a lot of them will work and have jobs, but they're not sure what to do with their money. Investing is at the very bottom of that, let alone opening a banking account, opening a checking account, opening, getting a credit card, building credit. These things are, are becoming more common, but they're still, most people are still, um, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people rather are not getting access to that. They're not trying. Even Jamie Dimon, who's the CEO billionaire of Chase Bank, they know that. Um, they, he's brought that up several times. He's like, you know, in order to build our, and, and it really has to do with money, but he is, he's not wrong about it. Um, in order to make more money for the bank, he has to help people bank more. So he has to get people who don't bank right now to get to the bank and open accounts, right? That's how you keep a bank being more profitable is getting more people to open certain types of accounts and, and leaving their money there, of course. And so that's really why I started teaching investing is to help people who are, um, who are not banking, who are not, don't know much about personal finance, who don't know about investing, um, and really trying to change that. Now there's a mother, uh, and she happens to be black. She's a black mother and she has five kids and, um, she has a really great job, but she's, you know, she's like, what do I do? Do I leave this money in the bank and just 
hope my kids will go to college or what should I do? And I said, you should invest, you know? So not only will you have money for your kids college, but you'll have more than that as well. Your money will multiply by the time they go to college. Right. And, and, um, and you know, there are people who I teach investing to who have money and they're able to, you know, pay me, um, to help them kind of consult and teach them. Right. And I've made a business out of that, but at the same, and, and I love doing that. I meet people from all over the world that allow me to kind of step into their world of personal finance and their perspective and then how I can kind of help them with that. But then there's like these people that cannot really afford what I do for them. And so I just do it for free for them, right? Um, so it's subsidized to those who can versus those who really can't, who don't even understand it. When you don't understand under, um, investing, you, you'll never do it, Right. You'll do the things only that are taught mm -hmm. to you. If you if you learn how to work, oh, you get a paycheck. Okay, cool. Well, I'll just keep doing that because I get money from it. But if you've never invested before and never felt money being grown, mm -hmm. you'll never do it because it's foreign to you. And so to really help build that um, generational wealth. Well, what did I just do with this woman who has these kids um, that I taught? Well, she'll teach those kids as well. And if those kids can go to college and get decent jobs or, or just get decent jobs in general, then hopefully they'll invest. Invested. He learned from some guy and my mom invested. And so I'm going to invest. And then when my kids grow up, I'm going to teach them how to invest as well. Beautiful. Um, I love that, you know, your why of investing world is provide access. And I do agree with you. You know, today the financial literacy, it doesn't even have to be like fancy. Even college grad might not have as much. Oh, literacy. yeah. Uh, I get a lot of college age students that message me often. They tell me, hey, I work at the college bookstore and I'm making this much. Um I got a scholarship or, or whatever. So I don't, and, or I live with my parents or whatever. So I'm not, I don't have that many expenses right now. What can I do? What should I do? You know? And, 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 you know, a lot of this is perpetuated by social media. Social media is helping people think differently um, a, a little bit more. A lot of people teaching investing on YouTube and so forth for better or for worse. I mean, there's some that aren't so great, but mm -hmm. there are people mm -hmm. out there that are doing, that are really teaching people something. And of course they're asking people, they're asking YouTube, they're asking Instagram, they're asking um, these play, the internet, they're asking the internet, how do I invest? Because their school is not teaching them that, you know? So they're asking at other places. And the, the reason why they ask is generally the same. I, they, you know, I want to be rich. I want to be wealthy. I don't want to, I don't want to work. I don't want to rely on a nine to five. I want to get out of the rat race. These are the kind of things that, people are motivated by at least right now. And there's nothing really wrong with that per se. Um, but they see that they go, how do I get a Lambo? Oh, well, I gotta, I gotta invest into something small business side hustles. Like oh, these right. are the things and that, I um, uh, well-known YouTubers are telling people get a side hustle, flip real estate, you know, do all these things to get ahead. And, you know, money is the motivation there, but yeah, I get, I have 17 year olds, 16 year olds who DM me on Instagram asking me, Hey, uh, I got money for Christmas. I got money for birthday. I want to invest it. I don't want to buy toys. I don't want to buy this. Like my friends do. I want to like, I want to start a business. What do I do? And it's crazy. Cause when I was that age, I, I, I didn't, you know, I sold like, uh, bracelets and things like that for fundraisers for like school things. But you know, it wasn't like 
I was trying to become a hustler or like, you know, you know, really trying to make money or anything like that. And so it's just interesting to see because of social media and people are exposed to that. Um, you know, any, any kid that's on social media can flip through and go, huh, there's this Instagram sharing about why I should look at Apple or Microsoft or Amazon and invest into it in fractional shares rather than going to the store and, and, you know, going to target and buying random things for no reason, you know, and those are every age. I mean, don't get me wrong. I get 30, 40, 50 year olds that message me asking mm -hmm. the exact same thing. So. It's beautiful. And Johnny, I, I think, you know, I love your passion to investing in, to supporting others, to really be successful at whatever they, their intention is. And I'm curious, I want to go back to your story. You previously uh, mentioned about you were working at Disney World for 60 hours a week. That moment, you were not able to afford rent. How do you come from that moment to today? Well, I'm very curious uh, about that. Journey. For me, it's about, I, uh, so I worked at Disneyland here, here in, in um, down, down in Orange County in Anaheim. I, I just really enjoyed it. I, I don't take work very seriously. Um, I just enjoy it. There has to be an enjoyment. I, I know there's a lot of, I mean, I get messages all the time. People message me how much they don't like their job. Um, you know, they met, some of them make good money, but they just don't like it. Some of them don't make good money and they don't like it either. And so it doesn't matter about the money necessarily. It's the fulfillment. And, you know, I love working at Disney because it's just so fun. You know, I was, I was in college at the time. It's just so mm -hmm. different. You know, you always hear about Disneyland, but I actually worked there. Um, and, you know, so it was super fun. Also, like, it depends where people who are listening, who are, who will listen to this, who, um, who worked at Disneyland, it depends what department you work at large in part. If you work in the park, like at one of the stands and it's like 105 degrees outside, that's not, I, I can imagine that's not going to be fun, but I worked in a very fun department. And so I, I had just a really great time. And, you know, I worked, um, uh, for Apple education, uh, for corporate education, uh, um, for Apple during college as well. I also worked, um, I started working in the entertainment industry. My very first TV show that I worked on was Jimmy Kimmel Live. Um, and those were the very early years of Jimmy Kimmel when wow. people don't, didn't really, you know, pay attention. But now he's, you know, he's synonymous with late night, late night. He's on ABC for goodness sake, right? So, um, but, uh, but yeah, I started, I started doing that and I did all those things for fun. I didn't, it, you know, you get money for it, but I didn't really care about the money part. I just enjoyed the experience. The experiences were a lot of fun. Oh, I'm at and we're doing a fireworks show soon. So we got to get prepared or, you know, I, oh, I'm right after I was working full time too, while I was working at, um, uh, ABC for Jimmy Kimmel live, I would go to work really early. I would leave at 2 PM. I would drive straight wow. to, uh, to, uh, Hollywood and I would do the show and then I'd come home around 10 or 11 o'clock. And I did that uh, two or three times a week. And it, wow. and it wasn't money. It wasn't for money. I could have done something else and, and probably made similar amount. It was really for the experience. It's just a lot of fun. Just, that's all I, that's all I want to do is have fun. I don't, <laughs> I don't really care to climb corporate ladders unless mm -hmm. it's really fun. So a lot of times the jobs that I've had that I didn't really love or have a passion for was really about mm -hmm. the people I worked with. Um, and trying to, trying to learn from them, but also have an impact on their lives, you know, help them to stop thinking so much about work necessarily. Mm -hmm. Cause you know, if you think about work all day and I know a lot of people can, 
can relate to this. If you think about work all day and you come home and you just, oh, I got to work. No, no wonder why everybody wants to get out of the rat race because they don't like it. They don't, they don't enjoy it. Now, you know, working hard is important and, you know, having a job you like is great, but it's, it, it's not, it's not realistic or it's more idealistic. It's not realistic for a lot of people. And so finding things you enjoy, it should be more important. And, and so doing those types of jobs really were really fun. I, I ended up working in the entertainment industry and TV shows, things like that for uh, more than 12 years. But I did all that while I was working full time. Wow. And um, when, wow. Yeah. And when, um, when that social media, uh, sorry, when Instagram's getting bigger and bigger, I, I was helping different restaurants and businesses with um, uh, helping them have a presence on social media. And then I sort of just started building strategy uh, for, for different businesses to help them. And, um, and had a lot of success with that. Sometimes, um, you know, doing marketing and things like that isn't a natural strong point for a lot of business people. And they just don't have the time to do it, you know, especially if you own a restaurant, anyone who owns a restaurant, listen to this, you know, there's just, you don't have a lot of time. You're dead tired after work. There's just, and the last thing you're thinking is, mm -hmm. should I post a story? Should I post something? You know, it, and you could tell, you could look at a lot of restaurant Instagrams and realize, yeah, they're just posting it just to post it. There's nothing really exciting going on or anything. So, you know, so they needed help. And so I helped a lot of people do that. And then eventually I felt like, you know what, maybe I'll just do something myself. And so that's where I, you know, decided to open a, uh, a burger shop with a friend of mine. And we ended up being on like the man show food network, you know, things like that. And that, and that, and that was just for fun. I mean, oh, I'm not trying to become one? a restaurant mogul or anything. I just, I like burgers. So I was like, I want to open a burger shop. And um, it's called Meatzilla, and it's here in it's in do downtown Los Angeles, and and people love us. People absolutely love us. Some people say that we're the best burger they've ever had, and you know that's a very big compliment. Um, and but we don't take that very seriously. It's just you know, um, you like it, cool. You don't like it, okay. We don't. I mean, it's not a big deal. We we could care less about Yelp. We could care less about a lot of those things. We we just don't care. It's easier that way. It's it's more for fun. We're mm -hmm. making food that we like. And if people like it, great. And turns out a lot of people do. So, um, and from that, I opened a, a, my uh, second restaurant with a with a different friend, and um, yeah, just kind of went from there. But really, it's not because I want to. You know, restaurants, restaurant owners know. A lot of small business owners know. You, you're not becoming a zillionaire from opening restaurants. Um, it probably has to do something with passion about food or passion about you know, small business or, you know, just trying something new. You know, I know people who quit their corporate jobs and open a boba shop or whatever, you know. Um, and I'm part of a boba shop company as well. Um, we have a location in Portland. It, they're called Milk and Tea. We have a, a location in Los Angeles and we have a location in Vegas. And um, my partners with that are the just incredibly hard workers and they're incredible people. And I just love doing it. It's fun. You know, it's not, I'm not trying to become a millionaire from owning a boba shop or whatever. <laughs> I just, I think it's fun. I just went there um, yesterday with my wife and we had boba and it's, just, it's fun, you know? Um, and, and so that's all about fun. It's, I'm not trying to make a ton of money from that, but those things also are key um, strategic things to have in order to build influence. You know, a high school kid, uh, uh, that I don't know came to me and goes, you own Meatzilla? Whoa, my friends and I love that place. 
and that opens up for them to listen. They want to, they go, what else do you, what else do you do? What, mm-hmm. what can I follow you on Instagram? You know? And, and those are all strategic points of influence, mm-hmm. you know, building influence to really show people like, Hey, you can have fun. You can work hard. You can do these different things, but also, um, while you do it, consider the world, consider the people around you that mm-hmm. are not that are in pain, consider the marginalized in your community. That's important to do, but you can't, mm-hmm. you can't just volunteer all your time and do that. Um, cause you won't, uh, necessarily cause you won't have influence. So in order for me to have influence, I ha- I've had to do a lot of these things, mm-hmm. have in, um, build businesses, get into real estate, um, teach on Instagram, make videos, um, talk on podcasts that I like, you know, things like that. You have to do these things in order to build influence. So that's what I realized. If I really want to impact the world, I need to build influence so that more people will listen, right? Um, I could just keep giving to a nonprofit and there's nothing wrong with that. And I could just give to the nonprofit, but that's not sustainable. If I die, uh, which I will one day, which we all will, what about that nonprofit that I was giving money to? Well, then they now have to go look for a different donor, right? But if I can build up a lot of people, hundreds of donors for hundreds of different causes, that builds sustainability, right? So mm-hmm. if I die, hey, look, there's 50 other people that I so t- told about this nonprofit so- and and they'll keep giving hopefully for a long time too. That's sustainability. Um, that's what that's what we need. We, you know, me just giving is great. Me just volunteering is great, makes me feel good. But that doesn't necessarily um, extend the uh, the cause of of the uh, of the nonprofit or the social issue that you want to affect, you know. So that's beautiful. So let's talk about your mission, Johnny. Like at this moment, you know, we all can hear your passion loud and clear. So much fire from you know building influence, so you can impact the world in a bigger way. So now I am so excited. I want to hear all about your mission truly what do you want to leave behind what can how can people to uh get started that journey if you know he or she not quite aware of those social issues you addressing earlier where can we start johnny i i am just so inspired uh truly i think you you are just such a beautiful heart not only um you know, kind of give such a great practical advice for anyone to get started today do something quote-unquote radical but truly to give to taste that joy and truly to make this world a better place in our big or small way i love sure. that and johnny um i have one last question for you oh my god you are just so incredible i'm curious what does american dream mean for you you mentioned your parents coming immigrant from career and uh, korea and how you kind of have such a beautiful journey along the way to to really be someone who can catalyze um you know we when we think of people who are catalysts we think of like big leaders we think of like um you know like gary v's or you know uh, uh sometimes like these big ceos you know we think about those people a lot of times or we think about motivational speakers things like that but but you know what anybody can catalyze and and i want to share a really simple story of that three years ago um, uh, the city of Los Angeles was trying to open temporary homeless shelters. Um, well, they already were in the process and, um, a place uh, here in LA that's mostly immigrants is called Koreatown. 
and Koreatown, uh, the city was proposing to open a homeless temporary shelter in Koreatown. Um, every, every council district was supposed to open some. And a lot of people opposed it. And, you know, I think there, there are people who definitely disagree with me, but I felt like this was much needed. Um, Koreatown has had a spike um, of homeless encampments, you know, all along the sidewalks. And, and it's worse now than it was three years ago. And, um, and a lot of people were against it, you know, so a bunch of people got together and, and it was largely funded by real estate people, to be honest. And and we know why, but, um, a lot of people got together to protest against it. You know, they were telling the city, no, we don't want a homeless shelter here. Um, and I felt like that was wrong. And I told my wife, Hey, I, I feel like that's wrong. Why, why would you not want that? You know, you would want that so that you could help people get off the street um, rather than trying to push them away or something, you know. And so I I made a sign. And, of course, my wife's a graphic designer, so she made the sign. It's much better if she did it. So she did it. And I went to that protest by myself, and I wanted to show my support to homeless people. I want to show my support I, I believe that there were other people in who will see the sign who do care about homeless people who will see the sign and they will feel like they agree. And so I went there by myself. There's about 150, maybe 200 people gathered who were, you know, yelling and shouting and they were really angry. And so they were rallying together to go against this homeless shelter. And then I stood there by myself with a sign and it said, Koreatown, choose love, you know, and it really just meant, hey, choose, choose love. The, the path of love is let's, let's let the city open this temporary shelter. Um, it's a social issue we all face. We cannot avoid it. We all cannot avoid it. We need solutions. And this might be one. It's not perfect, but let's go for it. So I was there to really rally people in that way. And uh, some of my... No, I wasn't afraid because I knew it was right. Were you right. afraid? Um, when something is right, you it it really Beautiful. kills that fear. It really kills fear when you when you have high confidence. When you just have just you you feel like you're right. There were a lot of tensions there. Don't get me wrong. And and you know later on there were some issues. But I held the sign and I held it there for th th two or three hours. Um, and you know, I was interviewed by a lot of local news stations, NPR, um, and a few of my influencer friends shared about it on Instagram and Twitter. And, and from that, from that tweet, uh, uh, shout out to my buddy, Sean, he, he shared that, uh, and he has a lot of followers and he's a very, he's awesome musician. And, and, uh, he shared that and other people saw it on Twitter and they said, Hey, I agree with that mm -hmm. guy. And so the next protest, because that same group of people protested again, they were trying to protest pretty much every weekend. Um, other people joined me. They messaged me and they go, hey, I'm with that. I like, I like what you're doing. I want to join you. And so they joined and they joined mm -hmm. me on the next one. And so there was about eight of us. And then there was about 30 of us the next one. And then after that, anyways, it, it ended, we, we grew a pretty much full-blown um, organization and it's called K town for all. And it's, you know, very simple message. This is for everyone. It's not just for people. Mm -hmm. It's not just for our neighbors who live in homes. It's for our neighbors who 
live on the street. It's for our neighbors who live in cars. You know, um, Los Angeles last year gained another 12,000 families mm -hmm. that were in cars because they can't afford rent. The regular people with jobs. And um, so, you know, wow. it's just mind boggling. And my role wasn't to become the greatest nonprofit leader, the greatest speaker, um, the best organizer, the, the head of operations for a nonprofit. It wasn't any of that. It really was just that several months in time to catalyze the other people who have those passions as well. And so now our organization, I couldn't tell you accurately how many volunteers we have, but we have, we've got social workers, uh, lawyers, uh, we have all kinds of just everyday, regular, great, passionate people who have all come together hundreds of people. Um, our last volunteer uh, training session had 40 plus people in it and we do it through Zoom or, or Google Hangouts rather. And, and, you know, so I think about that and I think if I did not decide to hold that sign and wake up that morning, read, see that thing on Insta uh, Facebook, that event that said, hey, we're going to rally against this homeless shelter. If I did not see that and make a reaction and go, hey, that's wrong. I got to make a sign and I got to show up. I don't care who sees it. I just, I need to do it for myself. I need to, I, I need so to feel like um, I'm standing up for them because that's how I feel inside. It wasn't to, to blow up all this stuff. And it ended up mm -hmm. catalyzing a lot of passionate people. And it turns out there are so many passionate people, but they just need a catalyst. They need someone else going, hey, that guy or that woman or that person over there mm -hmm. is standing up and I feel the same way. And now I'm going to go join them because they did it first. And I feel confident that I can do it now as well because they're doing it. And so that really catalyzed this group. And now three, three years-ish mm -hmm. later, we have a full-blown organization with committees. We have helped. We've given out countless mm -hmm. Uh, meal kits, um, hygiene products. We 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 have had our comments on CNN, NBC mm -hmm. News. We're we're in the news all the time. People come to us asking for our comment because they see us mm -hmm. as a uh, hopefully as a passionate authority on the issue in Los Angeles. And I believe we are. We we have the people in our group that everyone from just like, hey, I want to join you and like pass out some masks and hand sanitizer because I have a few hours available on this day to people who are leading um, policy change suggestions, going to Los Angeles council members and saying, hey, this is what we need to see. You know, so we so we do political advocacy, right? Um, not just volunteering, but we do political advocacy, advocacy, but we also do mutual aid where we're out on the streets, you know, and I cannot take credit for any of it. All I can take credit for is being there, showing up with the sign, catalyzing other people who are just as passionate, if not more, and coming together and going, Hey, you know what? I like what this guy's doing. I want to join that. And then, you know, now we have just a beautiful organization that, has done incredible, uh, just mm -hmm. inspiring. And I just love being a part of it because they constantly inspire me to keep going, right? You need constant inspiration. You can't just be a catalyzer and expect, you know, somehow you're going to magically feel good all the time about what you're doing. No, you're going to want to quit often. You're going to want to give up. 
And so being a catalyst is super important. And I think everyone has their role in that. Every single person has an opportunity to catalyze. And I think that's what a lot of people who work full-time or have small businesses or who are entrepreneurs, that key component. And that's what, and that's what weighs down on them. But a lot of people don't even realize that. They're like, I'm doing these things. I'm successful or not successful. I'm losing money or making money. But what's the end goal? So they share their success so that people will like that, what they hear, but it's not enough. You know, you're never going to feel that that's enough. And I think catalyzing people to do good mm-hmm. in with our social issues, that will really take you to another level. So entrepreneurs who listen to this, I think that will really take you to another level, not just leveraging your business to make as much money as possible. Cause I don't care about Lamborghinis. I don't, now, you know, they look cool or whatever. I don't, but I don't care about that stuff. You know, what matters more to me is like, Oh, you're an entrepreneur and you're successful and you're making a lot of money. That's awesome. What do you do with that money? You know, what have you saved someone's life? You know, I have friends who they literally at the beginning of January 1st go, I'm going to save the lives of 10 people this year, whether it's helping people get out of poverty, whether it's donating a certain amount of blood or, or, you know, whatever, or catalyzing that sort of area or, helping uh, women and children get out of um, dangerous situations, domestic violence, human trafficking. I'm going to literally save the course of their life, right? And I've had young women and children come to me and tell me that the things that I'm doing have changed their entire life. Some of them have said that I have saved their life. And, and nobody can take that away from me. No amount of money that you could give me can compare to that. You can give me $5 million and, hey, I'll, I'll take $5 million. But you give me a group of kids that have told me that I've literally changed their life because of my few measly dollars that I've given or, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, I, I, would, I would make that exchange any day. I would give money any day to hear that and, and hear someone's life change. And I think a lot of people don't have that and they don't Hope seek those opportunities. And that's why sometimes you, you're not really, you're not so happy about certain things because it's not sustainable. Money is not the sustainer. It's the, it's the, what you can do with that, what you can leverage with that, that really can be really cool. And if, and if you're leveraging it just to mm-hmm. look cool, I, I don't, I just don't think that's sustainable. I don't, you'll feel still, you might feel a little still empty inside, but I feel like, yeah, you go out there into the world. You're you go, Hey, I got $5,000 bonus at work. I'm going to go drop. I'm going to go buy a, $5,000 with a subway and I'm just going to go get 10 friends and I'm going to pass it out to everybody I see who wants a sandwich. And I think that's, um, that will change your year. That will change your, your month. That'll change your whole week. And that'll start catalyzing your, your mind will be like, wait a second, this is what I should be doing. And I think, I think that's the stories that we all want. That's beautiful. But we're not doing it. And so I think I encourage everyone, mm-hmm. just try it once. Try something radical once. I, I guarantee you it springs something out of your 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 mind or your soul, you know. You you inspires me. That is so beautiful. And Johnny, I'm curious. Um so you your recommendation is for anyone Yeah, do something radical. Action, Find the people that radical, inspire you. That you just suggest. Um or- even even question what inspires you. And what are the people? Are you inspired by just money? Um, okay, well, I, I, in my personal opinion, you know, I think maybe there's some things to to work on there. Uh, I I, ha- I I have money, and I it doesn't make me happier or less happy. It just it's a it's a tool. Um, and I think 
you know, find someone who catalyzes mm-hmm. you. Are they your family members? Is it a friend? You know, someone that inspires you to not just work harder, but for a different purpose, you know, look for those people and, and try to do it yourself. Try, just try doing it. After you listen to this podcast, mm-hmm. try doing it, make a plan, go, okay, you know what? Tomorrow morning, I'm going to do something I've never done before. I'm still going to work hard at my job or whatever, but I'm going to do something this weekend that I've never done before mm-hmm. that could impact someone else's life. I'm going to go to a, like a, mm-hmm. a, a lemonade stand or a little fundraiser that someone's doing. And I'm just going to drop like a thousand dollars there. Do something you've never done before. You, you, it might make a change in your life that you, you've always wanted. You just never knew you wanted it because you never done it. You know, I think that's just, just challenge yourself every day to do something like that. And yeah. you know, you won't get that every day. It's not a motivational speech, but just try to do something weird and radical just once, you know, just try it. You, you know, where the, the people who are hurting in your neighborhood, if you don't know them, you should get to know them. But if you don't know them, go find them. You know, maybe there's a guy sitting out at the side of the sidewalk. Um, you know, here in Los Angeles, there's people selling flowers, you know, and, um, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm not saying let's feel sorry for these people. They're working hard too. But mm-hmm. hey, I want to make someone's day. I want to buy your whole bucket of roses. How much does that cost? Here, I'm just going to buy it all from you. Uh, have a day off on. Or, hey, there's this favorite restaurant I like. Their food is not cheap. You know, they 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 sell yeah. steaks or whatever. I'm going to get one of these steak dinners to go, right? And I'm going to just go give to someone. They're going to open it and go, "Wow, it's not leftover sandwich or whatever," which they would might be thankful for. But they open it and go, "Oh my gosh, you just gave me like this." steak and lobster thing from this restaurant that everybody knows I've never eaten there before. They won't even let me eat there because mm-hmm. of the way I look. You're inviting, you're bringing the table to them. And I feel like when you do that, beautiful. yes, it will change their meal for a moment. It, it might even make them feel really great mm-hmm. for an evening, but it'll change you. And, and that amount of money you spent versus how much it'll change you. I would make that exchange any day. Anyway, but you've got to first taste it first. If you've never tasted it, you won't even believe what I'm saying right now. You have to taste it first. Mm-hmm. If you don't taste it, mm-hmm. you're always going to feel the same way, but taste it first. You see these people who are really passionate and they're on fire and they want to help people. Why do they like that? Did they, are they naturally like that? I don't think so. I was, I'm not naturally like that. I, I like helping people, but I was never naturally like that. I think I had to see someone else do it for me and question why they did it. That's what I try to do for other people. Why is this guy teaching investing, but Mm -hmm. he talks about social justice? You know, people who teach investing in real estate or, 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 Mm -hmm. or business, whatever, they don't talk about social justice a lot. They just talk about money a lot, you know? So why is this person talking about social justice? You know, why are they talking about income inequality? Why are they talking about how to make millions of dollars? Why are they talking about that? You know, but you can do both. You know, you can do both. We have to realize that, and, and this is for a lot of immigrants, I think for immigrants and, and, you know, like my parents' generation, for them, it's um, be happy and work really hard and make it by owning a home or a car or a business, right? That That's kind of traditionally what the American dream was for them. And I think that's how it was for a lot of people. But I think, I think nowadays, mm-hmm. uh, People are really more about the American dream is about, yeah, you got to make money, you got to pay bills, but fulfillment and happiness seems to be a much bigger thing right now. And I, and I, and I see that, you know, I ask people, what are your goals? And they go, well, I want to, 
I want to make enough money so that I can be comfortable. You know, I, I think, I think that's what really people want is just, I want to make money. And does that involve a job that you're passionate about or not passionate about? Yeah, usually it does. Right. But I think the American dream is really about, um, um, uh, being, being happy, um, having fulfillment. And unfortunately that's not easy. Um, and I think it's us that causes that, you know, I think it's us that causes that because we're constantly wanting more and the, the areas we're wanting more is because we, whether we see it on social media, we, we want something more and more and more. Why? Because the thing that we're getting is not fulfilling. So we constantly want more. So I think the American dream really, or dreams for a lot of people and goals for a lot of people is I want to find something I can make money, of course, but also I want fulfillment. I want to, I want fulfill, fulfillment. I don't want to keep chasing after something that makes me feel empty, mm -hmm. more empty, more empty, you know, whatever that is for me personally. Um, I, I guess I can say, you know, I have a lot of room mm -hmm. to improve. I have a lot of questions in my life, but I feel like what I'm doing now by helping people, that's all I want to do. Um, I, I have two, uh, sons, my two young boys, and I want them to not say, Oh, my dad's rich. Uh, my dad has real estate. My dad like knows how to invest. I don't care. I don't want them mm -hmm. to care about that. I want them to grow up and go, my dad is not like other dads because he talks about helping people a lot. You know, he, that's all he talks about. He talks about helping people, the importance of like driving by with your kids, driving by somewhere and going, <laughs> see that guy off the freeway. You know, instead of saying, oh, he's just some drunk guy who's just trying to buy drugs. Instead of that going, hey, mm -hmm. you know why he's there? Because society has failed him in certain ways. And in large in part, he's, he might have made some decisions that, that did not do well for him. But we cannot just, just drive by. We have to do mm -hmm. something. We, even if it's small, we still have to do something. Mm -hmm. We might not be able to change the person's whole life, but we can do something. You know, I want to be like a person like that and leave impact like that. So it really is about mm -hmm, my mm -hmm. kids seeing that happen. And, and I'm lucky yes. that my, my, I, I'm married to someone who sees the world large mm -hmm. part that way as well. You know, that, you know, it's not just, let's just make money. It's really about like, how can we make impact? You know, my, my wife was, teaching young uh, students. A lot of them are from lower income neighborhoods, not all of them, but some of them were. And a lot of times they looked up to her as mm -hmm. a, someone they, that they put a lot of confidence in. They tell secrets to that. They don't even tell their parents, you know, my, my wife played that role in their life, you know? And so, and so we kind Aww. of see that in a very similar way. We see so social beautiful. justice in a very similar way in that way. So in that part, you know, in, in all those senses, my, my life's, my life is pretty great because of that. Um, but, but I gained the most fulfillment me personally, cause everyone's looking for fulfillment. I think I gained most of it from helping people, from connecting people. When someone I don't know mm -hmm. who lives in the UK goes, you know what? After I talked with you, after I learned from you, I finally understand investing and I, and I'm confident in my portfolio and my kids will be confident in their portfolio as well. And this is amazing. It, it really changed my whole paradigm of thinking about money. That to me, that's you, you, and I get to do that every single week. Beautiful. And to that, to me is like the thing I, I'll rave about that. I don't, like I said, I don't tell me what you tell me what you're doing with your time and money. I don't care how much money you're making. Tell me what you're doing with it. You know? And, and I think for me, that's really the, the, uh, outshining thing that I can tell people. I have millions of stories 
you know, if anyone ever wants to reach out to me, I'll tell you a million stories that will really inspire you. They're not the typical ins inspirational stories. And, um, I think those things are really the things that, that, um, that you will carry with you, that you will tell other people. Nobody cares. Like, I hey, guess what, how much money I made this one year, 20 years ago. No, nobody cares about that. So you know? beautiful. No one will care about that. Not even you will care about that. What you will care about is what you actually mm -hmm. do with it. So, mm -hmm. Wow, Johnny, I am so blown away. I really love your beautiful hearts. You really, truly making this world a better place, not only by your word, but also by your uh, action. You truly walk the walk. And I'm just so grateful to, you know, uh, met you and able to share your beautiful story. And hopefully that will inspire um, people to give out more, to truly go after the fulfillment, the happiness. I love sharing about it. And um and uh, I appreciate the opportunity. Amazing. All right, guys, this is a show for today. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And I cannot wait to see you guys next time. Mm -hmm.